Media Reviews, the podcast that never needs spoiler alerts because it takes you back in time to relive the nostalgia of classic TV shows and films that you've probably already seen. I'm your host, Kiara, and each week I'll dive into the archives to bring you my take on movies and TV shows from at least 20 years ago. From cult classics to forgotten gems, I'll review them all and give my honest opinion on their impact and whether or not they still hold up today. Join me as we revisit the iconic characters, memorable moments, and timeless themes that made these shows and films so special. So take a break from adulting and get ready for a trip down memory lane with Sup Media Reviews. What's up, Home Slices? Thanks so much for tuning into Sub Media Reviews. I'm Kiara, and today I'm releasing our very first bonus episode. This year, Friday the 13th falls in October, so I thought it would be cool to review the iconic 1980 film Friday the 13th. The movie features Betsy Palmer as Mrs. Pamela Voorhees, Kevin Bacon as Jack, and Adrian King as Alice. I'm going to be honest, prior to watching this movie... I've never seen or even really wanted to see this movie. I generally don't like horror films, but because this movie is over 40 years old, I figure it's kind of not scary anymore. And it's kind of moved into like the campy area. No pun intended. But since I wasn't around to witness the beginnings of this movie franchise, I figured I would invite a guest to join me that could offer their perspective on this movie from when they were a child back in 1980. So Home Slices, I'm super happy to have my father, Alfred, aka Buzzy, aka Dan, to join me for this review. Say hi, Dan. Hello, everybody. What's up, Home Slices? I'm really happy to have you here. You were like 10 or 11 years old when this movie came out. And I know you're a movie lover. I actually think I got my love of movies from you or partially from you. My mom is a movie lover as well. So I'm really excited to hear your perspective on this film. So as always, we're going to jump into some fun facts about this movie. This movie was filmed at Camp No Bebosco in New Jersey. The camp is actually still in operation and it has a wall of Friday the 13th memorabilia to honor the movie that was set there. Do you think you could have ever gone to that camp? I actually went to a sleepaway camp in New York, which is not far from New Jersey, of course. And there was a, a nearby camp, Crystal Lake. It really was. And it was, it was supposedly clear water in the lake and people would want to go there. But I, that was for the older kids, the younger kids. I was really young, but I never went. But that's my little connection to it. Oh, nice. I don't think I could have gone to the same camp. I- <laughs> it wasn't. This is before. This is like 76 okay. through like 78 okay. we went. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, the second fun fact is that Betsy Palmer, the actress who portrayed Mrs. Pamela Voorhees, said that if it weren't for the fact that she was in desperate need of a new car, she would have never accepted the role of Pamela Voorhees. In fact, after she read the script, she called the movie a piece of shit. (laughs) Over the years, however, Pamela warmed up to the film as it made her more famous than infamous, and she made appearances at conventions and documentaries to discuss it. I think it's interesting how people get tied to like a particular film and people kind of assume that that's what their personality may actually be like. 
But she warmed up. She needed a new car. And now she's like iconic. Yeah. In the last fun fact, Victor Miller admitted that he was purposely riding the success of John Carpenter's Halloween, which came out in 1978, just two years prior. Director Sean S. Cunningham even approached Halloween producer Erwin Yablons. I'm probably mispronouncing that to produce the film, but he declined as he wasn't interested in doing another horror movie. I actually have not seen Halloween. I'm interested to hear if you prefer Halloween to Friday the 13th or is Friday the 13th better in your eyes? Halloween is probably my top two favorite movies of all time. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes, it is. So Halloween is Mike Myers. Correct. Michael Myers. Yeah, I always get Mike Myers and Jason confused. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just I had never really watched the movies. This, again, not a horror movie buff here, but interesting. I didn't know that. What's your other top movie? It's a Shawshank Redemption. No, it's probably Aliens or The Road Warrior. One of those two. What's the second movie? The Road what? The Road Warrior. Mel Gibson. I don't know that one. The Mad Max movie that came out a few years ago. Uh huh. This is the original. Well, it was not the original. It's the original was called Mad Max. Mm-hmm. And then this part two was called The Road Warrior. It had a little half a title change, but The Road Warrior is what they mainly call it. And it's action and they call it apocalyptic type of okay. sci-fi movie. Okay, nice. Well, I guess I'll have to check out Halloween next. <laughs> Halloween would be but, a good one. A little another bonus, I would think. Yeah. Especially if I thought you had seen it. No, no. But Halloween actually falls on a Tuesday this year. Okay. Yeah. If you want to check out Friday the 13th, you can watch it on Max as of the recording of this episode. So this is the point where we talk about our personal connections to the film. Because I've never seen Friday the 13th prior to this review, and I generally don't like horror movies, and I also wasn't born until years after the movie came out, my personal connection to this film is almost non-existent. But I can acknowledge that it's part of pop culture and that the movie franchise is really popular and iconic. The only movie that I've seen, I think, in this franchise is like Freddy versus Jason, which is like years and years removed. So yeah, I don't really have much of a personal connection. So I'm glad to have you here, Dad, so you can talk about yours. You were pretty young when the movie came out. Can you talk about what you like about it or what it was like first seeing it? Yeah, it was... Well, I first saw it, I definitely didn't go to the movies, but we were one of the first people that have cable. And I want to say it's on cable. I don't, video, maybe not. But I think I saw it on cable. So it was uncut, uninterrupted. Probably at my age, probably shouldn't have been watching it. But, you know, <laughs> you stay up late and things come on and you watch them. Yeah, and my other connection, like I said, with the camp, we did go to sleepaway camp in the, from like 75 to 77 or something like that. And it was just like that as far as... There were buildings. Each cabin had a certain age of kid. You know, of course, segregated boys and girls. And then they each had a little group. And I noticed this for the first time watching it. It said Seneca on a cabin and it said Comanche on it. So that would be your group. Okay, the Seneca kids are coming over. Or where's Seneca? And you'd have your own little song. And mm-hmm. so it was all of that was real familiar as far as the way the camp was set up. And you had a little dock with boats and a lake and a. But that place was rough looking to me, though. Know. Our place was a little better. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, we weren't plush and clamping, but we were, uh, it was a little better than that. That place looks like it. I can't believe you said it was open still. It looked like it was run down about to fall apart then. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, people hadn't been there to really take care of it for a number of years yeah, because of the local lore. Yeah. But yeah, what do you think is like, how did you talk about this with your friends? Like what were the most kind of iconic parts in like talking about it and it becoming part of popular culture? The kill scenes. There was like two of them. <laughs> the one where, he, yeah, I don't know if we want to get into it oh, without saying mm-hmm. too much, but there's some of the kill scenes. And when we get to the scene, I'll, I'll get a little more into it. But yeah, there was that. And there was a, the sounds that mm-hmm. I'm sure that this guy, whoever did the music and the sounds were approached further in his career to do stuff for other movies. Cause that's another thing they used a lot. It looks like the sound and the music to, to get the suspense blowing. Yeah. That was something that I also noticed too. The Like I recognize that as being a part of pop culture mm-hmm. and hearing other people make the noise <laughs> like just randomly. And so I know that's like a part of the whole thing without ever really having seen the movie. So yeah, this movie popped off like a really big franchise that has a bunch of movies. Now I'm not even sure how many. Yeah, it was a lot. Part two of this is decent. Part three was a 3d. Oh. It was awful as far as the purposefulness of the 3d that was that's what made it awful but it was interesting <laughs> i think i did see that in a movie the 3d one okay it says there are 12 friday the 13th movies mm-hmm. there's part one two and three mm-hmm. there's the fourth movie which is called the final chapter which is a lie <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's part five a new beginning part six jason lives these almost came out every year yeah for like the first six movies then there's part seven the new blood part eight jason takes manhattan that sounds stupid (laughs) they were all ridiculous keep going they get worse okay (laughs) jason goes to hell the final friday Mm-hmm. Jason X, which came out in 2002. Freddy versus Jason, which was in 2003 and the only other movie that I've seen in this franchise. And then there was just Friday the 13th, which came out in 2009. Right. They were the remake. I think I saw it. It was, wasn't that great. But for, fan, for being a fan, you, you watch it if you want to. But there's one yeah. where he's, I thought there was the one Jason in space. Because he ends up in space somehow. I thought that was the name of the... That sounds right. I don't know why that's not listed here. Let's see. And I tried watching it. It was, oh my God, it was so awful. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't... Okay, films. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't count because it's not listed on yeah. IMDb either. Maybe that was the name of it. Maybe it was part of one of the other ones. I can't remember. Okay, hold on. Let's see. Jason X takes place in the future. That might be it then. I think that's the one where he goes into space. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hilarious. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe they'll do a 13th movie and like end it for real. So. Nah. I think, it, I think we'll it's just. See. Yeah. It's, I don't think it'll, it'll hit right now. <laughs> Unless you do it on purposely silly. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited for us to share our perspectives on this movie. They're probably going to be kind of in stark contrast <laughs> to each other as yeah. I'm a first time watcher, but I think that'll make it interesting. So let's go ahead and get started. Okay. So it's the opening scene and we see Camp Crystal Lake in 1958. We see some camp counselors who are singing like spiritual camp songs around like a fire inside a cabin. And we see like a person kind of walking around I feel like I should probably pick a name for this person or something, but the camera does a lot of kind of POV work from like an unknown person's point of view. 
So we see that person kind of walking around a cabin that has like probably eight boys in it. And I don't know if this movie popularized that or if they just used it a lot. But we see this person's point of view a lot in the movie because they are like presumably the killer. So right. anyways, two of the camp counselors that are in there singing those spiritual camp songs, a guy and a girl sneak away into a shed that has like a loft and they make out and they touch each other. And as always, the horny teenagers die in horror mm-hmm. films. Yep. And I always wondered if that was supposed to be like a way of discouraging teens from engaging in risky behaviors. What do you think, Dad? Was that the point of it? Yeah, I was think that was a be the be the thing. If you're naughty, you something bad will happen to you. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's what they tried to do, but look like fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, next we hear the foreboding music. This is how you can tell something bad is going to happen, and the music in this film is actually very good. And the sound, like actually, is really suspenseful and creates like a good kind of mood for a scary film. I feel like the person who did the music did like a really good job. But we see from the killer's point of view that they go up and see these two camp counselors instead of doing their job, they're out making out. And one of the kids says, hey, like, sorry, we aren't doing anything. And the guy kind of comes across as like recognizing this person. Mm-hmm. And then in like a weird, <laughs> a weird way, gets stabbed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the way his body moves as he's being stabbed is pretty funny mm. because they don't show actually like the knife stabbing in. This movie comes across to me as like maybe it could possibly be PG 13 because of like the level, the way they had to do the movie because they didn't have the type of effects that they have now. Right. But you have to think then that PG-13 wasn't a thing yet. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it didn't okay. come until, I think, a few years later. So it definitely okay. was rated R. Yeah. So the kid gets stabbed. You only see the top part of him. He gets stabbed in the abdomen. Mm-hmm. And then we see him fall to the ground, holding his abdomen, and it's bloody, of course. And the young lady that was with him is freaking out. She really has nowhere to go. She's kind of cornered. But she ends up dying, and we don't even get to see how. She just kind of screams. Yeah. <laughs> And then the title sequence like comes up. Calvin and I were laughing right away at how the right. boy died. Right. Like you got punched it in was, the gut is what's what Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was actually a little funny. Yeah. I kind of like, you don't have to, have, now it's everybody has to have a kill scene. You have to show it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a little mystery is fine with me too. You know they got yeah. killed. You just yeah. don't know how. So. Yeah. But sometimes it's just, okay, we've got to have a kill scene. How are we going to do it this time? Sometimes just, and that seems to be a little theme throughout this too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there was like some discretion in the kill scene. Sometimes Mm. it's more gory. Right. Sometimes it's not. And I feel like that's okay. Personally, I don't really care for gore very much. I feel like this movie had a pretty good balance. Right. But as the series goes on, it gets way gorier. It does. (laughs) And I didn't remember the opening scene. With the old school camp counselors, I was like, I do not remember this. I mean, yeah, it, it kind of came to me as it went on, but I'm like, them singing, I'm like, I do not remember that. <laughs> so yeah, that was interesting. I was surprised to hear them singing like Christian camp songs. Right, <laughs> it's right. Like, is this a Christian camp or I don't know. I don't know, but to be remember, it was 58, 1958. 
And I guess you're not going to sing Elvis, so <laughs> you're going to sing. <laughs> I guess. You know, and for people back then, they go, you're going to go to camp, and you're going to sing camp songs, and mm-hmm. what else are you going to sing? You're going to sing nursery rhymes? And, and no, so. Yeah. Well, I hear that. Well, in the next scene, after the credits roll or whatever, we see that it is now Friday, June 13th, present day, which is 1980. Right. We see this small kind of cute town. I enjoy like a cute, like quaint town. Mm-hmm. We see a young lady with beautiful hair. I feel like her hair was yeah. just so flowy. They had really good hair in this <laughs> in this movie, really good 80s hair. But a young lady is walking through the town. She stops to talk to a dog. I feel like that was random. Yeah. And through the dog lets us know that she's headed to Camp Crystal Lake, which is the camp where those two kids were murdered earlier. So she stops in a local diner slash convenience store. It's really I was like, what place is this? <laughs> like a, yeah. a diner and a convenience store. But when you're in a small town, yeah, places they... usually serve multiple purposes. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like seven people in there and they're astonished that she's headed to the camp. And I was like, mm, sign number one, like right. <laughs> you right. should get out of here. And I'm like, why don't people ever listen to kind of like the local superstitions? Do you think if you were in that situation that that would turn you off and you would head back home or would you keep going like she did? If I ever somehow was ever in a crazy position, <laughs> I yeah, I would have had some questions before I even, you know, wandered up there. But you gotta remember this is end of the seventies and it's people just doing their thing and it's you know, and then most of the kids would want to be out per under their parents and be on their own, so they hey, this is school, I'll go help some kids and be with young people and enjoy myself. So I could never though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then if I, somebody told me there was something wrong, I'd have to, you know, find out. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting that she had never heard any of the lore, but they nicknamed the camp Camp Blood, which is also a bad sign. And a man offers to take her halfway. Camp Crystal Lake is 20 miles away where she is now. Right. And the guy is taking her 10 miles. So it's still a 10 mile walk. <laughs> so that's what blew me too. I was like, what was she going to do? <laughs> She didn't run across. The <laughs> what was her never, plan? <laughs> I mean, yeah, what were you, you were just going to hook it 20 miles? It would have took you the rest of that day. And you'd have been walking at night. And, maybe, and you didn't know where yeah. it was. <laughs> she, I could just say she pulled out a little map. You're like, okay, I'm having trouble with it. But you were just wandering the streets, basically. <laughs> yeah. Is there a so bus? She it. said, it's, <laughs> <sighs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, she didn't really have a plan. We also don't know where she came from. This is what we call a slasher movie. That's what they call these movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this is part of a dumb kids yeah. getting murdered or doing dumb stuff or being dumb <laughs> and fornicating. So it's basically yes. what it is. <laughs> yes. Well, she fits into the first category. Yeah, right. And so I feel like the guy, that his character is literally called the truck driver. They don't give him a name. Right. The truck driver who offers to give her a ride halfway comes across as a little creepy to me. Yes. Okay, thank you. I was like, I don't know if it's just because I'm a, a woman or no, he's even, like. Even from that point of view, even from being from that era, yeah, he was creepy. Okay. <laughs> he was like, oh, are all the girls at the camp going to be as cute as you? And I was like, ugh, yuck. Yeah. And then there's a point where. I'm going to skip a little bit further. There's a point where she has to climb into the truck. Yes. He has like a fuel truck yeah. and he like uses her butt to push yes, her. Yes, I made the, a note of Like help yes. lift her up. Yeah. You pushed her like, right on and gave her a butt a, push. I'm like, yes. Yes. It's like, this man is a creeper. I was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like that. But yeah. before he helps her into the truck, they come across a man that they call Crazy Ralph. 
<laughs> who warns her that if she's going to Camp Blood, she's not going to come back. Right. And he comes across as a little unhinged, but he's like actually kind of well dressed. Did you notice that? <laughs> I, I just saw the hat. I, I, the scruffy face. He creeped me, always creeped me out in his voice and his mannerisms. I never really paid attention. So I was still stuck on his face. I'm like, yeah, he's creepy. Yeah, he wore slacks. He had like a, a long sleeve dress shirt and a vest. And I was like, why is he so well dressed to be like a crazy person? I don't know. It was, it kind of felt like of two opposing things to me, but yeah, he's supposed to be the crazy man in town and apparently he's giving the new owner or the owner of camp Crystal Lake some problems because he's going around and warning people about it. So it's bad for marketing. (laughs) So, (laughs) So they're on their way in the truck. The truck driver and this young lady who we learned her name is Annie mm-hmm. and they're riding along and the truck driver keeps looking at her and I'm like, this man is creepy. Yeah. But we find out he's looking at her that way because he realizes she really doesn't know or understand the place that she's going. Right. And so it turns out that the owner of the camp is Steve Christie, who's actually the son of the previous owners, and that Steve had never told Annie about the history of the camp. So she has to hear it from the truck driver. So we hear that he tells her that she should quit because the camp is jinxed. A boy drowned in 1957. Two kids were killed in 1958, which is what we saw earlier in the movie. They've had multiple fires. Apparently, there was an attempt to reopen the place in 1962, but the water was bad. Mm -hmm. And it sounded like Steve had put in like $25,000 into sprucing up the place. Which that's probably $100,000 in money now, I would think. Right. And it wasn't money well spent because the place (laughs) still looked pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But the truck driver calls her a dumb kid, Mm -hmm. which I thought he called her dumb to her face like multiple times. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he ends up dropping her off near a cemetery to walk the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. So Annie's been warned. Yeah. And yeah, we'll talk about her more later. (laughs) Next up, we see kids in a red truck, three kids all headed up to Camp Crystal Lake, including a young Kevin Bacon. Yes. Yeah. I was kind of surprised to see him. He was so young. Yes. In this movie. I looked it up. He was 22. In 1980, he was 22. Wow. Jeez. I'm assuming this wasn't his first film. I don't think so, but this is the earliest I can remember seeing something. As a, Maybe as a teen, he was in something, but I do remember. Well, Animal House. He was in Animal House. That's right. Is that before this? Yes. Animal House was 78, okay. I want to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, he's in here and he's one of the people that's here. So there's two guys and a girl in this red pickup truck. They're playing this awful banjo music. Oh, I, I mean, stand. That was, it was bad. I was like. Please, quickly stop. That was bad. I didn't know what aim they were. I feel like the music is very purposeful in this movie. Yeah. And I didn't understand what they were trying to convey with this music. Right. And there's another famous banjo music and another famous 70s movie called Deliverance. And I want to say it's around the same time. And there's banjo music in this. And it was, I think that's just, you're in the woods. When you hear banjo music, that's just, you're just putting you in the mood. That's all. I get why they were doing it, but it was annoying nonetheless. Yeah. I vowed to never watch Deliverance. It sounds awful. I know enough don't, about yes, it to know that it's horrible. Don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> don't watch it. Yeah, I don't plan to. Yeah, we cut to Steve, again, the owner of the camp, who's trying to remove a tree stump. Steve is shirtless, and he's wearing these short, <laughs> cut-off shorts. <laughs> yep. 
Oh, that was hilarious to me. But a girl named Alice is already at the camp. She has like a little bit of a Justin Bieber haircut. And we find out that the three kids in the truck are Kevin, Kevin Bacon's character, who's named Jack in this Mm -hmm. movie. The girl from the truck, her name is Marcy. And the driver of the pickup truck is Ned. Ned will later come across as like the class clown. Right. The comic relief. Goofy. Right. Yeah. Goofy kid in the group. So... We hear other camp counselors' names, Bill and Brenda. We don't see them just yet, mm. but I believe that makes six camp counselors altogether. Okay. If you include Annie, who's on her way. Mm. Yeah, they all come across as kids in their late teens. Is that what we're supposed to believe, late teens? I don't. Or 20 feels really right to me. I think 20. Okay. I think 20 is. That's where. But see, I also had the perspective of going to a sleepaway camp and mm-hmm. kind of. And it, I think 20 was the, but it could be 19, 19, 20, about right. But I don't think any younger than that. Okay. I could see that. So Steve helps Alice with some gutters on a cabin. This scene was actually a little bit confusing to mm-hmm. me. And I was like, is there some subtle 80s Sexu- <laughs> like sexual tension thing yeah like i couldn't understand this scene because i felt like oh here's another creepy old man right. creeping on a young lady but then it sounded like they might have had some history together i don't yeah it, yeah it was weird it was weird and i tried to remember i was like wait i kind of remember and i couldn't remember because sometimes part two and three kind of meld together in my memory mm-hmm. along with this one so but yeah it was hard to discern if he was if he had been like putting moves on her subtly and she was rejecting him mm-hmm. or maybe they had kissed and that was it. And then it looks like they were about to kiss in here. That, so I couldn't. Like I said, it was a little confusing. Yeah, because she was drawing stuff. She was an artist until she had like a sketchbook and he looked at it and he's like, oh, you're really talented and you're really pretty. And there's a point where she drew him. And he's like, is this really what I look like? And she's like, that's what you look like last night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't tell if that was supposed, <laughs> right, right. To, be, right, right. Isn't... supposed to mean they had been involved before. Right. It's just very confusing. Right. And she had something else going on. So she felt like she might have to leave the camp at some right. point. And he basically asked her for like another chance or another opportunity. And I'm like, from what? Like, did you all try something and it didn't happen? Or was it just from the business it, it point was, of view where him being her being a counselor? Right. I couldn't. And did they never resolve this? I think there's a missing scene somewhere. No. somewhere. So it's like, yeah, so I'm like, okay. yeah, that was weird. Right. But she agrees to stay for a week until mm-hmm. next she Friday. She kind of helped him yeah. get ready. Yes. So I was like, mm, he probably gonna get her killed. But <laughs> <laughs> their relationship is really weird and unclear. And I don't like it. It's like a loose end. But okay. whatever. Then we get the weird POV shot again. The same weirdo mm-hmm. <laughs> in the woods that's like watching all of the kids. Yeah. Like, we get this scene a lot. I call the, we said the killer. Everybody says the killer. Okay, the killer. But now we yes. know this is the killer. Yeah. Right. So this is the killer. And we get to meet Bill, another camp counselor. And Alice walks right past the killer without seeing them. Mm-hmm. She gets really close. Yeah. Like, girl, you're not paying attention. Yeah. Or... The killer has like mad skulking skills. They know how to (laughs) like blend in. But Steve leaves the camp and he tells the kids like, hey, make sure you get as much stuff done as you can because there's like a bad storm coming. And so the kids get left behind. And of course, instead of working, they start hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Jack and Ned also change into like Daisy Dukes. Their shorts are short. Yeah. (laughs) That's what was the style. You had old jeans. 
You cut them off and yeah. you cut them off that high. Yeah, that's what you did. It was it was weird. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Calvin called them Lieutenant Dangle. What is, is it, Lieutenant? <laughs> that's funny. I never heard that one. And what's funny? They're called Daisy Dukes, but Daisy Dukes hadn't happened right. yet. This was before. They were just oh, called really? cutoffs. But Daisy, you know where Daisy Duke comes from, right? From Dukes of Hazard. Right. And yeah. the, the girl in there wore them. Right. But they weren't that short. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was TV. They were short, <laughs> but they weren't that short. Okay. Well, yeah. They, I thought that was very funny that they were wearing such short shorts. But briefly, the kids talk about the camp's nickname, but they all kind of brush it off. Yeah. But a girl is setting up the archery area. This is Brenda, mm-hmm. the final camp counselor that we meet. Mm-hmm. She's setting up the archery area and Ned almost shoots her. Right. But just like a good job of not shooting her. Right. And she's freaking out. She's like, what the heck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't do that where I'm standing so close by. So I like that they're showing like the actual fun side right. of kids. But it is a little foreshadowing. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't realize that until I rewatch it this time. I'm like, okay, I know a foreshadowing. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. Camp was fun. We did all that. Well, we didn't do archery, but mm-hmm. we're boating and swimming and hiking and like arts and crafts and there was singing definitely was singing as far as making up your own chant for your group it was almost like rapping it was really mm-hmm. weird but it was it was really <laughs> cool as a kid yeah nice well ned and brenda flirt a little bit kind of do some playful banter yeah. i was under the impression that most of these kids besides the three who rode up together didn't know each other so i thought it was a little weird how he was really comfortable with brenda right away but maybe he did know her i don't, I don't know. know but we Flip back to Annie, the young lady who was walking through town, and she hitchhikes to camp in a Jeep. Now, this was actually one of the most shocking parts of the movie for me. I was not expecting this. But Annie hitches a ride in a Jeep saying that she's going to Camp Crystal Lake. Mm -hmm. And we can't see who's giving her a ride, but based on the way the camera is, we assume it's the killer. And I was like, she hasn't even made it to camp yet. Like, no way is she going to be like the first murder victim. There's no way. I was so wrong. I felt like I was pleasantly surprised Mm -hmm. that this kind of happened in the movie. I low-key feel like it's not fair. (laughs) Like, let the girl make it to camp. Like, (laughs) first, but she hops in the Jeep. And the killer is driving Mm -hmm. and they end up passing the little driveway to get to Camp Crystal Lake. And when Annie recognizes this, the person who's driving starts speeding up and kind of like Mm -hmm. driving recklessly. Annie jumps out of the Jeep and, of course, injures herself. She should have been Um, hurt more than that because she was going to be fast. Probably, yeah. (laughs) Probably. But at this point, the extent of her injuries look like limping, Mm -hmm. like she hurt at least one of her legs. And so I feel like. To be hurt, she was kind of hightailing yeah. it. She was going pretty fast. But see, here's where all the but, the slasher movie tropes come into play. You had to have, you were saying you're surprised somebody got killed early. You got to keep the money train flowing. You know what I mean? We're, we want to see, when you see a movie, we want to see somebody get killed really. So you somebody needs to get killed kind of early. We had the two counselors way in the beginning. And I said, we're going to, here's a little taste mm-hmm. for you. And it's, you know, and it, so somebody always gets killed early or some way. And then, of course, the usual somebody's running from the killer limping hurts. Mm-hmm. So there's a yeah. couple of things that come into play. And this, I believe this movie brings a lot of those into play for future horror movies and slasher flicks, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, I agree. I feel like she runs through the woods. She's looking around. She doesn't know the area. 
and she ends up falling. Of course. Yes. <laughs> the killer finds her. And Annie is just so kind of shocked. She's just frozen. And the killer slits her fake throat. Mm, right. <laughs> her, pros- her prosthetic throat. Yeah. And I just felt really shocked that she died before she made it to camp. Right, right. It's interesting, though. Typically, when I watch these movies about immoral teens or whatever, mm. I try to figure out, like, oh, what sin did this teen commit to make us okay with them dying? Mm-hmm. And she seemed to be the only person who had fair warning about the camp. And so her Sid was not listening to the locals and the lore. But also, you got to think, what do your parents tell you never to do? Don't hitchhike. Don't they tell you that? <laughs> so there you go. That's the one. <laughs> I don't know. Was that what parents told you? Back yeah. In you don't take rides from strangers. Right. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. And yeah. a young lady by herself. It's if you're looking for why they throw it in there. But later, as they do these movies, there's no reason. It's just entertainment. <laughs> you just, it's just, just, for the, just for the effect and make you scream and make you jump, and make you giggle. Yeah, I definitely hear like horny teenagers are dying early. Mm. Like even as late and later as like snakes on a plane. There's like a couple like having sex in the airplane bathroom, yeah. and they end up dying in this really cruel way. Like yeah. the trope is like really pervasive, even much, much further mm. down the line. So. Yeah. The killer is wearing this ridiculous plaid shirt. Mm -hmm. To me, it came across as like a suit jacket. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this killer is kind of well dressed. (laughs) They had on dress shoes, kind of like slacks, what appear to be slacks in like a plaid kind of suit jacket or shirt. I was like, what? I don't understand why everybody's well dressed in this movie. It was very weird. But it's more foreshadowing. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking at that, you'd be like, it ends up kind of making a little sense later. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you think about the prosthetics, the throat slitting prosthetics? Back then, I thought it was just it was cool. Kill scene, you know, it was good. But now mm-hmm. you can see. Yeah, it's like, ooh, that's rough. But yeah. Yeah. The colors didn't match. Right. Yeah. Yet the skin tone was really off. And I feel like, like a, they would have. And it was like a, a lump or a, a yeah. piece, <laughs> yeah, piece, a piece of a, a fabric or whatever, you know, yeah. but. Back then, that's all we all you had, and we had to deal with. It. And like I said, I think they probably a limited budget, and that's why mm-hmm. we some of it you don't see them all. Yeah, all the kills. So yeah, that's right. I feel like the prosthetics and movie makeup is probably excellent for 1980. Probably, yeah. and I feel like well, it only kind of holds up today. But yeah, Annie dies first, doesn't even make it to camp. Yeah. I was like, well, dang. <laughs> so <laughs> one down, I guess. So, yeah. well, I guess she's third because of the two counselors from 1958. Right, right, right. Yeah. So the other counselors, though, are kind of having a good time. They're swimming in the lake. They're not getting any work done. Right. We see the killer watching them from like the other side of the lake. Right. Here's where I kind of have a a problem with the movie, and I don't want to give too much away. But the person who appears to be watching the kids is wearing a wedding ring, and their hands come across to me as masculine. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Yeah, yeah. I didn't notice the wedding ring. Oh, you didn't? Mm-mm, I didn't. Yeah. It was kind of big. It felt kind of gaudy. More like what I would think is like maybe a like a class ring, mm. but it was worn on the left hand on the ring finger. Okay, so I didn't even notice. Yeah. But one of the kids actually kind of spots something in the woods and yeah. kind of brushes it off. But, but what's funny, from way across the lake, as opposed to Annie walking 10 feet from him and didn't see yes. anything. <laughs> yes. 
Not Annie, but Alice. Alice. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a, a scene where Ned is in the water calling for help. The kids think he's drowning. Kevin Bacon belly flops into the water. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> but he belly flops into the water to go rescue him. And Brenda goes over to rescue him. Some of the kids grab a canoe and they pull him out of the water. And Brenda gets ready to give him mouth to mouth because he doesn't look responsive. Mm-hmm. And then Ned grabs her and kisses her. <laughs> yeah, I and I was one. like, yeah, I "Okay, re- this is similar to Sandlot." I don't know if you ever saw Sandlot. I Dad. did, and I'm trying to remember. I don't remember that scene exactly though. Yeah, but in Sandlot, a very young kid who really loves the older lifeguard mm-hmm. pretends to drown in a community pool. Yeah, they are. Of course, that. kisses her. And I did a review on the Sandlot, and I hate non-consensual kissing. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody likes it, but yeah, I hear you. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, uh, these kids are a little bit older. Ned is a little bit of a jokester. I could see how they justified it, but yeah, non-consensual kissing is is never okay in my book. But no, never. It's kids being kids. And now let me throw something in here about yeah, the my memories go of, of uh, going to camp. Lake water, gross. Okay. I like tasting no just, just brown and nobody <laughs> wanted to go in it you know nobody <laughs> wanted to go swim in the so I always remember that I think now your your aunt Kim went to this camp too mm-hmm. and I don't think she would touch the water I think she, I think they were supposed to do you know she was older so they got to do more stuff and she was I'm not mm-hmm. touching that water I, I believe that's what you'll have to ask her next time you talk to her <laughs> but I and that's why everybody wanted to go to Camp Crystal Lake because all the water's clear. The lake was, yeah. Right. So, and first of all, you can't see anything, but then it looks, you saw how brown it was. Yeah. I do remember that. That brought back a vivid memory of lake water. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds gross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a pool person anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, after this little scene happens, we see Alice who appears to have just taken a shower and she's in a robe in her cabin and like a scary looking black snake is right by her foot and she doesn't see it at first. But when she does, she calls for Bill and the snake kind of scurries away. Mm-hmm. So the other kids join them for some reason. All the kids kind of come in, they I guess to hear the commotion or hear Alice screaming. And she's like, oh, there's a snake in here. We should flush it out or whatever. Mm-hmm. They start basically tearing up the cabin yeah. to get the snake to move. Yeah. And once the snake gets flushed out, Bill uses a machete to cut the snake's head off. Mm-hmm. Now, this is also foreshadowing. But when I was looking at this scene... My husband, Calvin, was sitting next to me and I was like, Calvin, I think they killed a real snake. Oh, yeah. That definitely was a real snake. Right. Because I looked it up. They killed a real snake. Yeah. And that would have been a problem. I'm surprised they didn't get a problem then. But a few years later, Peter or somebody would have said something. But it definitely was a real snake. Yes. I was mortified. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't like snakes personally. Right. But uh, I mean. But it is a live animal. I I was just surprised it did. It didn't bother me. But I was like. I guess it was real, I guess. but So I feel like the most atrocious part is when I looked up the kind of history of the scene was that they hired the snake handler to bring the snake in and did Mm. not tell the snake handler that it would be killed. Oh, wow. That's messed up. Right. So in the scene, once the snake's head is cut off, the other people from like interviews and stuff Mm. claim that the snake handler is freaking out, like crying. They're inconsolable. Like people become attached to these animals. I mean, you didn't. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And it's also part of the way he makes his money. Yeah. So. So you just like killed probably an animal that he loved in front of him. 
and stop him from being able to like use that animal yeah. for more income in the future. I was mortified. I was <laughs> like, I can't believe that. Like, it's already bad. They killed a live animal for a shot in a movie. Yeah. They could have did it different. They could have, of course, you know, for the realness, show it slithering around. But when you cut it, be a fake one. And, you know, you can cut away or put, you know. Right. Especially when, like, the makeup artist was supposed to be, like, top tier. Yeah. They could have made a model. It could have been anything, yeah. right? But yeah. I was. I was surprised. I had real to take snake. a minute. I, said, I was like. When I first saw it, when it wasn't moving yet, I said, oh, they put a fake snake. Then it started moving. I said, oh, that's real. When it started moving, I freaked out a little bit. My skin crawled. Something about the way the black snake moved. Like, have you ever seen like a snake move in the desert? Mm -hmm. It kind of felt like that. Something about the way the scales moved was just like made my skin crawl. But it is foreshadowing. Right. Rest in peace. I believe the snake was named Iso. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the snake had a name. So What tripped me out was how they all came in and tore up the cabin. And so I was like, that was pretty wild. But then I thought about it. Mm -hmm. When you're trying to make a group of, okay, you gotta, you've got to get the audience invested into these characters. And they're not a team or a group. You know, you got to make us think that uh, they care about each other. And mm -hmm. so, because of what's about to happen to them. And uh, so when they all come in, I think this is a little extra. And I believe that's why. They showed them work as a team that they care for each other and this and mm -hmm. that. So. It took me a minute to realize that it was a little much to tear up the cabin like that. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I thought they were just tearing up the cabin because, like, whenever you're trying to look for something, you just do what you got to do to get rid of it. Yeah. Even though the snake was like a harmless bull snake. Yeah. Sometimes sure you just got to treat snakes like they're all venomous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I understand. But later on. After that scene, in another offensive moment, Ned starts wearing a feathered headdress and making offensive Native American sounds. <laughs> yeah. So that's problematic. But Marcy and Brenda are kind of walking by in the area when a police officer pulls up on a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is, besides the officer's uniform, yes, so the sorry. only other way we know that he's a police officer is because there are these tiny stickers <laughs> that spell out police. Yep. <laughs> That's this little budget movie. Yes, the back and the front. And these stickers look like if you put like address numbers yes, on your exactly. mailbox. Yes, exactly. That's what they were. <laughs> yes. Yes. I thought that was very funny. It was very funny to me. But I feel like this scene is a little bit weird. The police officer comes and he's he starts asking them about drugs. Mm -hmm. And I just thought the way he did it right, was really right. funny. I was like, like, he was a little, do people, he was hamming it up. And I was like, what do you, yeah. Was like, I was like, did people talk like this? <laughs> I don't know what his I problem. Look, I, I, he was on the drugs is what I thought. <laughs> yes. I'm about to ask him, you got any more? <laughs> right. <laughs> but he's like, what are you guys doing here on the property? Like, are you doing the weeds? <laughs> like <laughs> the weed hash, dig it. I was like, uh, he said, dig it. Like, yeah, I feel like that was old old language even by then. Like, yeah he was right it was the end of the 70s the film was probably filled in 79 maybe yeah it was a little old for that but you gotta remember they were out in the woods and not in the woods out in the, mm -hmm. in the rural area so they might have still talked like that okay well the officer is looking for crazy ralph mm -hmm. the weird guy that's been talking about how dangerous the place is and ned starts joking around with the officer the officer called him tonto and I thought that was hilarious because was he was fun. still wearing his feather right. headdress. I thought that was funny. Right. But the officer ends up getting called away and he's like, we ain't going to stand for no weirdness out here. I was like, what? It's already, what are you it's saying? Already, it's already bizarre. <laughs> what are you talking about? Right. And then he rides away weirdly, almost like he doesn't have a big grasp on how to ride the motorcycle. That's what I thought. I said, he almost. Okay. Yeah. 
because he had to go turn around and he came back and he, right. he almost lost control of that thing. He almost ate it. Yeah. <laughs> So that was a really weird scene, yeah. but it's supposed to notify us that Ralph is out here being weird. Okay, right, so right. Alice is in the kitchen and she opens the pantry to find Crazy <laughs> Ralph. I wasn't expecting that. That was hilarious to me. Crazy Ralph is hiding in the pantry and he's like, I'm a messenger of God and yeah. your kids are doomed if you stay here. And he tells them to go. And then he scurries away on his rusty bicycle. And he's like, you all are all doomed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I appreciate you warning these children, but hiding in a pantry, like, that was funny. that's a little crazy. Yeah. yeah, it was hilarious. Well, a note on Ralph. Ralph returns in these, I don't remember, whatever sequels. And I believe he doesn't make it. <laughs> I'm oh, to, dang. I don't know if it's two or three. It's two or three. And it's the same, I believe okay. it's the same actor. I think he gets killed. Hmm. It might be part three. Dang it, Ralph. Yeah. That's why I told you I meld the early ones together. And I thought, I don't know why I thought he got killed in this one. No, not this one. Well, Ralph is doing the work. <laughs> Warning these kids. I feel like this may be the first time the kids that were at the camp really got like a legit warning. Yeah. The only person who really got kind of the full history was Annie. Right. I think this is really showing these kids did have opportunities to get out of there before things got crazy. So this is the point where I realized that Camp Crystal Lake has a native theme. Yeah. When you saw them. Right. So like when you mentioned before that the cabins each have their own kind of names. Mm -hmm. The main cabin that has like the kitchen and everything is called the Comanche cabin. It's a different cabin that was named Seneca. We also see uh, totem animals outside. Yeah totem carvings outside of the cabins and i was like okay that's interesting it's not important but it explains maybe why that headdress was laying around our camp had Uh, like i said they had (laughs) we had like different indian names for every group of kids so i remember adahi was one oh i can't remember the other ones i don't remember adahi but there was a couple and every group had a name it was pretty Mm -hmm. neat that's interesting why they would pick a native theme for camps i don't about being with nature. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was something for kids to relate to. I mean, I guess. Because kids relate well, to Well, no, I mean, things. to you have your group. You know, this is where, oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, they could have picked anything. They could have picked animals. They could have picked anything. The Zodiac. They could have picked, like, there's there's tons of okay, things. Okay, Zodiac, that's too hippie. That would be in the 60s. Yeah, they could have picked, I mean, you're out in the forest, they could have picked trees, spruce, And it's also of the area. Maybe there was, I know Comanches weren't in wherever they were in Jersey, but I think the ones we had, I know they weren't real popular ones, but maybe there was some in the area that was related Mm to. Yeah. I think that's something, something and I think the nature thing fell with that, but, you know, remember, early 80s, they were just appropriating doing what they 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 want. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apparently. Yeah. So the kids are cooking. And something goes wrong with the power and three of them go out to cut on the emergency generator, bringing the power back. So the significance of this comes back later. I was like, oh, why do we care when it was happening? But it does come back later. So Marcy and Jack are out by the lake making out and Ned is watching them from afar and he appears to be a little jealous. Remember, these three are the kids that all drove up together. Right. So Ned walks away and he comes across a cabin and he kind of sees a figure in the doorway. The person Mm. appears to be wearing like a leather jacket. And I was like, why is this person so well dressed? (laughs) So (laughs) when he sees them, he kind of follows them in and he's like, hey, can I help you with something? Like trying to figure out who it is. So he goes into this cabin and the scene flips. We don't know what happens to Ned. Right. So when we flip the scene, 
we go back to Marcy and Jack who are on the beach making out and they talk about Ned. They recognize mm-hmm. that Ned kind of has a thing for Marcy, but Jack doesn't really care. Yeah. Again, Jack is Kevin Bacon's character and a storm is coming in. And then you got to, there's the trope of, there's always kind of one kind of jock, cool, good looking guy. Uh-huh. He's kind of a jerk. There's always one of those. You got the nice nerd mm-hmm. or the nice goofy guy and mm-hmm. then the pretty girl. And then of course the pretty girl in the jock, good-looking guy or a couple. Yeah. So that's usually how it flows. And and that's the way it, it takes this formula. This formula goes on for decades. Yeah. Yeah. Years yeah. to come. Yeah. But Marcy talks about a dream she has about dying in a storm where the rain turns to blood. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was weird. But then they show what's supposed to be lightning flashing across their faces. But it's mm-hmm. orange and kind of looks like fireworks. I was like, I don't know what orange lightning yeah. looks like. That was a bad effect. I was like, oh, yeah. why is it flashing like that? Yeah. But it, it, I think it did the job. It got it across. You knew what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it had the yeah. thunder behind it. So. But yeah, the wind starts kicking up and the lake starts getting really rough. So it's time for Jack and Marcy to sneak off to an empty cabin where they light a candle and they get undressed and they start making out. But back mm-hmm. at the Comanche cabin, Alice, Bill and Brenda are hanging out by the fire. And Bill is playing the guitar and it sounded so good. I don't know. Like, it really did. I was like, it did. I was like, this is fantastic. Like, right. But they didn't show him. It was from the side and the back. So you don't know if it's just an audio track or something they put in there, but it did sound pretty good. Yeah. And the girls compliment him on it. So, another fun fact about this movie the guy who plays Bill is actually the son of Bing Crosby. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. The fact that the only person that did anything of any note after this movie is Kevin Bacon to me. Right. Yeah. Yes. Nobody else has seemed to progress or anything. Oh, also, I don't know if you mentioned now it's pouring rain. You guys yes. mentioned that now. Yeah. Once they get back to the other, it's pouring. So now everybody's kind of isolated. They're like, you know, where's everybody? Well, it's rain, you know, so. There's a reason maybe not why we we don't see so-and-so or they're probably mm-hmm. holed up somewhere and like that. Right. Yeah. It's a pretty bad storm. I feel like in movies like these, the storm is actually another character. You're right. So the storm in this movie kind of feels that way too. So like you said, people are kind of separated into their different pockets. And so right. Alice- And nobody's uh, suspicious enough to be like, right. oh, why haven't we seen them? Well, they're taking shelter. Right. So the three kids that are in the cabin together, Alice, Bill, and Brenda, decide to play Strip Monopoly. And I was like, okay, more horny kid stuff. And (laughs) And I was always surprised that this girls that suggest stuff like this, it blew my mind. (laughs) Usually it's a creepy guy. You know, the guys is the one that starts that, something like that. And she was all for it. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Progressive. Right. (laughs) Well, we flip back to Jack and Marcy, and they are actively engaging in copulation it's a conservative scene but then the camera another thing that i was not expecting pans to the top bunk of the bed that they're in and we see that ned is dead like Mm -hmm. i knew ned was dead i mean he followed a weirdo into a cabin (laughs) but him being on the top bunk dead was pretty shocking his throat was slit if i remember correctly right and i was trying to remember i said so i think i remember thinking this before i said so they went into the same cabin that he went into, but I never could really, I said, I'm assuming that the killer wouldn't drag another body to a cabin. And I guess we can assume that was the same cabin. 
Because mm-hmm. they were nearby, yeah. remember? That's where yeah, yeah, right. The beach by the beach from that same the, area, yeah. right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, Ned's dead on the top bunk. Yeah. So the prosthetic I thought would look better in this. Scene. Right. He wasn't moving. Right. <laughs> right. So Marcy and Jack are done with the deed, and Marcy leaves to use the bathroom. Jack is laying on the bottom bunk, and in the best scene or kill scene in the movie, in my opinion. Right. Jack is laying on the bottom bunk, kind of waiting for Marcy to come back. We flip the scene back to the other kids who are playing Strip Monopoly. Basically, Mm -hmm. the rule is you remove a piece of clothing instead of paying rent. Right. And the kids are drinking beer, which I don't know. I'm assuming the age of drinking was still 21. uh, It might have been 18, and it depended on the state. So it was either 18 or most likely it was 18. So I think they were good. Okay. Well- Still engaging in a risky behavior, drinking alcohol. Right, and then they're and then they're passing around a joint. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, they're and then also remember Kevin Bacon's character Jack was smoking one. So there goes your more immoral teenagers sinning. Yes, and yeah, there we so, go. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out. I really, I didn't even put that down in my notes. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. yeah so the kids are losing their clothes. They're drinking. They're smoking. Lots of immoral behavior, mm-hmm. and we go back to Jack where he's laying on the bottom bunk and a drop of blood falls on his face. And right when he realizes it's blood, a hand from underneath the bed grabs his forehead, shocked me, and an arrow gets pushed from under the bed through his like neck and upper chest area. Yeah. And he's dead. The blood splatter, I was like, uh, I wasn't on board with the way the blood splatter happened. Right, right. But this is like the most inventive scene so far right right and this is the one i told you that this is the one i described to my friends mm-hmm. and it was so cool and unexpected and i've listened to something about this scene and there was problems with it because there's a pump they used to squirt the blood and it was a prop so that's why it kind of cuts off kind of quick and i think they had issues with something in there and that's all they could use i believe but i don't know where i heard this at but it was, it was a special pex guy and somebody else talking you know we had problems because they were under there and it had to be and he had to stay under there a long time. It was really detailed, this <laughs> description of this scene. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I was not expecting it. Yeah. Probably one of the more inventive ways that we've seen somebody die in these types of movies. So yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. But yeah, I did do a little jump. Actually scared me. And <laughs> the prosthetics were like, eh, eh, yeah. on this one. But the blood splatter was like the most unbelievable. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like that yeah. part. But we move on to the next scene. We see Marcy who's headed to like another shed in her underwear with a raincoat. Yeah. So she can use the bathroom. The bathrooms, instead of being located in the cabins, there's like a building that's dedicated for showers and toilets. Was that your camp experience? Yes. You didn't have one in your, I've got a lot lot of info on this. You didn't have one in your uh, cabin. So first of all, they were gross. I mean, (laughs) and they were pretty much just like some stalls and there's just, it's an, outhouse but lined up next to each other on the end they're pretty much just like that but had running borders in the sink but there was no toilets because of i guess getting rid of the waste was an issue but oh my gosh it was so gross in there i don't care what time of day you went or it was the beginning of camp or it was so gross wait if they didn't have toilets where did you go those were you sat down and you pooped in these outhouses you couldn't flush them no if i'm oh god it was an out that's when like a porta potty (laughs) Jeez. Basically, it's, yeah, it's just a building of porta potties, but they're in, yeah, it was horrible. There might have been toilets in like the main building, I remember, I think, and the nurses' station, whatever, okay. but 
for the cabins, it was so gross. So this is something we just always, it's always remember. Peeing off the top stairs outside the cabin. First of all, if it was nighttime, you didn't want to walk in dark to the cabin. Second, the places mm-hmm. were gross. Second, you don't have to mm-hmm. put your shoes on and all that. So I remember peeing, or a group of us peeing off the top of the stairs at, outside the cabin because nobody wanted to go. <laughs> and then we, we always felt for the girls. I said, what are the girls? They have to go in there every time. Look. Yeah. So, you know, if little boys no. think it's gross, I know little girls yeah. are like. That sounds yeah, awful. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> Yeah, and we had them when I was in the army too. There was certain places that still had things like that, and horrendous. And like indoor plumbing is one of the best modern measures of all time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. I feel like at this point in the movie, people are starting to drop like flies, and mm-hmm. I'm low key into it. Like yeah, personally, yeah, yeah. It, once, oh, yeah. <laughs> once once he gets killed, once he goes in that cabin, it kicks it up a notch. Right. And even Erica was watching and we were, and she goes. She go, earlier before that, she goes, it's a little boring. I said, yeah, they're, they're working up to it. But mm-hmm. then it just started, it kicks it up a notch. Yeah. And then the music yeah. picks up a little bit, too. And that, yes, that, that it makes does. it really good. Yeah. And so Marcy, we see her in the little outhouse cabin or whatever. And she doesn't have shoes on. The, Girl. Anyways. Don't, don't get me started. That, you know that freaks <laughs> me out anyway. In a, in a home. But they just want to. Great. Walked outside. And then the I, I know how nasty the bathrooms are, so just, <laughs> just, uh. yeah, it's gross. Yes, uh. but she does read. I thought it was funny. A little thing that was written on one of the bathroom stall walls. Yeah, forty yards to the outhouse by Willie Macon. That is really funny to me. <laughs> I don't right. know. It's corny, but it's there cute. was things. There was things in there. I can't remember. There was always little things scribbling the wall, or somebody mm-hmm. had a knife and made a little buzzy was here. I never did that, but you know, what I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was just neat. But yeah, yeah, that was kind of funny. Yeah, I thought it was cute. Well, Marcy is getting ready to wash her hands. She starts doing impressions in the mirror. Yes. I was doing it's... captions. So I know the impressions from the captions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, was it uh, May? Uh, I know the She did char- a May West May earlier, West, that's what it was, yeah. But when she was in the bathroom, she did Audrey Hepburn. That's who it was, okay. I, I know it was some old yeah. school movie stuff, but- yeah, but she's in the mirror and getting ready to wash her hands and she hears noises in the cabin, like where she mm. is. She thinks maybe there's some boys there trying to play some tricks on her mm. or whatever. And she hears some rustling. We hear the music intensifying. And she goes into the shower area to check it out. Again, she's only in her underwear, but she goes to the showers to see if someone is hiding. And when she looks in the showers and there's no one there, we see a shadow of an axe behind her. Mm. And then when she turns around, an axe comes down and she screams and she makes this hideous, unbelievable face, (laughs) which is hilarious to me. I don't know why her face in that moment just looked awful. (laughs) (laughs) It's really unbelievable. But the next thing we know, the axe is actually in her face. I was not <laughs> yeah. expecting that. Now, that, that movie makeup was pretty good. That was pretty good. As long as they didn't linger. Yeah. They didn't linger. They left it just on there. You saw it and it was over. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Like, wasn't expecting that. Pretty gory way to die. And we yeah. didn't actually have to see the axe going into her. Just, It was yeah. probably three quarters of the way in her head. And it yeah. Was all the way in there. Yeah. I would say, like, there probably should have been more blood just based on human stuff. But <laughs> but there was enough blood for us to get the picture and still make her, her face out. So right, right. that movie makeup was probably some of the best in the film, I think. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. We flip back to the Comanche cabin where the kids are still playing Strip Monopoly. And Brenda is down to her underwear. 
from paying rent mm-hmm. and she puts on her raincoat because she remembers that her cabin windows were still open. Right. So she decides to leave the game and they close that up. And mm. then we flip to the diner where Steve is having some coffee mm. and maybe a slice of pie mm-hmm. that only costs him two twenty five. Two twenty five. I was bought. like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what did he consume for two twenty five? I I don't know. But Steve has like a good rapport with the waitress. I'm not really 100% on the kind of purpose of this scene. Maybe, like you said, remember, he's the son of the former owners. So just to show that right. he's been family, has a good rep in the area, still trying to get the camp up and running and is good with the locals. Yeah. Yeah. But then he goes out there and gets in his car. It's pouring. Yes. I don't know. The rain effects were pretty good in this movie. I said, it had to be raining for real because it was. Right. <laughs> there was never a second where I was like, this rain is fake. fake. Right. <laughs> right. So I was like, it's pretty good. Never. Yeah. yeah. So. Then he, he has a trailer on the Jeep. I'm like, he didn't have that when he left, right? No. So I believe his purpose was to go out and get some supplies. So. Okay. I think he was just coming back with the supplies. For a split second, I was like, is that the same Jeep that Annie That throws got me into? off, too. That threw me off. Okay. Even when Annie got, when she was hitchhiking, I was like, wait, Steve doesn't, wait. Because I hadn't seen him forever. I said, no, he doesn't pick her up. And then when they didn't show him, I said, this is the killer. But it's really close to being the same Jeep. If it's right, not right. the same Jeep, that's a low budget we've got to use. He <laughs> was like, oh, well, well, the second Jeep, we'll just use it in the dark so right. that they can't. And he had the top off. He had the top off in right. when he left. When he he left. had the top off when mm-hmm. she picked up Annie, the top was on it. So it right. was pretty close. Yeah, it was. But yeah, he gets into the Jeep. It has a trailer on it. He's going back to the camp in the bad weather. So Brenda goes to the cabin with the toilets and the showers. Brenda is brushing her teeth, getting ready for the night, while the serial killer is hiding in a shower stall. Brenda feels like something is going on or like somebody's watching her, but nothing really happens. Right. She, you yeah, know, she doesn't leave. Yeah. yeah. And you got to remember, I've got Erica watching me with me and she's chiming in. Yeah, girl. Yeah. You don't want to go over there. You know, she's doing all the, <laughs> all the usual things. And why are they so yes. nosy? Why would you go there? Don't you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> so, so she was. So Brenda this is probably this. Uh, the smartest one in quotes, of, you know, the group. Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. Go about your business. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> this is the point in the story where like one of the interesting things about this movie is that these people typically die in isolation. Right. And what I mean by that, they're always alone. And also until we get further into the story, nobody knows how another person died nobody knows that another Mm -hmm. person died it's almost like a weird chain if you think about like slasher films now they find out that something is afoot much earlier Mm -hmm. in the film yeah and part of the like suspenses in the movie is watching these people panic because something is going on right and they don't know what's right halloween did a good job of this i think that's when you see halloween you'll see some of the same the isolation thing is that's what gets you you're on your own. Yeah. There's no help. Yeah. And it's the only person who knows something's going on is us as the viewer. Right. Right. And you got to so think about I, that. I feel it's like pretty that's unique. Yes. It's very masterful. And you're like, wow, that's movie making. I'm sitting here right. watching this and you got me invested in some dumb, stupid people. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I actually care about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want nothing to happen to them, but later on I do. Yeah, that was just really, really interesting to me that until we reach a really critical point in the movie, nobody knows nothing about where these people 
what's going on with everybody. Right. It's really, really interesting. So yeah, we flip back to Steve. His mm. Jeep ended up breaking down and a police officer just kind of happened to come across him and nice police officer is like, hey, I'll take you to the camp and you know, you all pick up the Jeep later. Yeah, and this, this bothered me a little bit because- Really? Yeah, because when I'm watching, especially scary, I've had all the lights out. So the lighting was awful. I couldn't even tell. So he was trying to start the car and it wouldn't start mm-hmm. the Jeep. Mm-hmm. But I said, well, is he stuck in the mud? So I don't know if it, it looks like that, too. Right. So, so why, if you're stuck in the mud, why are you trying to start it? It should be running. Your tires are spinning. So I think it's something. Spinning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think something happened that just uh, like, look, OK, we can't get the tires. We can't get that effect. So just act like it won't start. <laughs> and then he got lucky that yeah. the cop comes by. I'm like, OK, what right. are you going to do? Fortuitous. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. He was going to be like Andy and hoof it. But then that but, gives uh, us the reason why. There's one less vehicle at the camp. Uh-huh. Right. To escape in. So right. that's your isolation thing gets a little deeper with that. That was the whole point of that, I believe. Yeah. 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 So Hop comes across him and says he's gonna take him to the camp. So when we flip back to the camp, the killer is staring at Brenda from outside of her cabin. And they do this weird thing that bothers me in the film a little bit. Because there's not power in these individual cabins, they have to use candlelight. And in addition to the candlelight, the movie magic piece is them using like actual light mm-hmm. right. as well. And I'm like, you all are severely overestimating candlelight. Like <laughs> right. we can see way too much. Right. Like it's obvious that you have a lamp following her or something. Right, right. We would never be able to see this much of her with candlelight. But right. I was like, okay, whatever. Well, I'll allow it. <laughs> right. But suddenly a boy's voice is heard saying, help me. That threw me off. Yeah, I forgot about that. I said, oh, and yeah, I, that is a good creep factor. I forgot. Yeah. Yes. And I still am like a little bewildered by it. But Brenda ignores it. I think she's like, oh, maybe I didn't hear what I thought I heard. Mm-hmm. And then she hears it again. And so she goes out and looks for the boy. And the boy is calling. And it's like, somebody help me. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you know, by the archery area. And then the killer turns on these bright floodlights. And just Brenda can't see anything right. because of how bright the lights right. are. Right. And then for night archery, I'm guessing they might do it at night. And so, yeah, I'm guessing that's what that was. Right. But Brenda can't see anything. And when the scene changes, we hear a woman scream and we're to assume that Brenda right. was killed. And um, that was the foreshadowing from earlier. Yes. When Ned almost shot her. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. So in this next scene, we see Alice in the cabin the cabin that has the power, the Comanche cabin. And she's kind of oblivious to everything that's going on. Like, again, people are dropping like flies. Mm -hmm. I believe the body count now is maybe up to six or seven. Mm, I don't think we're at seven yet, but yeah. Counting up two in the beginning. Three, Mm -hmm. four, five, six. Annie. Seven, you're right. You're right. Seven. Ned. Okay. Seven. seven. There we go. So, yeah. The door opens to the cabin. I'm freaking out. I'm like, who is it? But it's Bill, (laughs) one of the other counselors. And Alice is like, I heard a scream and I thought it was Brenda. And I was like, if I heard someone scream, could I tell who it was? (laughs) I don't know. know. Personally, especially if I just met them that day. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But she's like, also, like, I saw the lights come on at the archery range. Mm -hmm. But by the time Bill looks, the lights are off. So... Alice goes with Bill to look for Brenda, who wasn't in her cabin. But in Brenda's bed, there's a bloody axe. Now, this is literally the first clue where other characters figure out that something is afoot. 
And this is towards the end of the movie, basically. Yeah. So they're like, what does this even mean? <laughs> also, why would the killer put a bloody axe in a bed? I don't, I don't know. I, Just to scare the heck out of him. I guess. I don't know. But, of course, Alice and Bill are kind of freaking out a little bit. Alice more so than Bill. Bill actually comes across to me as like a calm, yeah. thoughtful person. Right. And it's usually the guy. Uh, he's probably the last guy alive. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Usually the last guy alive is probably the most level-headed one. And that's mm-hmm. just the way it, the way it is. That's the way that you want to root for him. So you get to see him. He gets to last the longest. Well, Alice and Bill go to different cabins to look for the rest of the people. They go to the bathroom. They don't see anything. Alice is freaking out. She's like, we need to call somebody. But they go to the office. They break into the office because it ends up being locked. Why? I don't know. The phone is dead. (laughs) That was like, why did, I mean, what was the purpose of it being locked? And you think they would need. I want to say it was. Showing that Alice is resourceful, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I can see that. She was the person who went and found something to break the window right. so they okay. could get in. So. And she was, okay, I get it. Right. But also, they had to demonstrate that they weren't able to reach out to the outside world. Right, definitely. Because the camera pans and we see that the phone line has actually been split or cut right. with the axe, maybe. Right. I don't know. And that's another big thing in Slash Your Heart that they're going to make it a point to know that communication is off and that the killer did it. Right. The killer. Yes. Right? So right. In more isolation and suspense. Right. Well, they try leaving in Ned's truck, the red truck that arrived earlier in the day, but it won't start. Mm-hmm. Alice is worried. She's like, we need to leave. We need to get out of here. And Bill is like, oh, this, you know, we'll be laughing about this tomorrow. It's probably nothing. I don't know how he came totally to that conclusion, true. but OK. <laughs> right. <laughs> we can't find anyone. We found a bloody axe. Of course, it's going to be OK. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But we find out that it's also a full moon on this day. Mm. So full moon on Friday the 13th. Yeah. And the police officer and Steve chat. They talk a little bit about how on Friday the 13th, there are, are higher incidences of crime. I've also moon. heard similar statistics. Right. And full moon. He, I think he mentioned mostly full talking moon. about yeah. the full moon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've heard similar things. Don't know how true they are. But the sergeant who is driving him to the camp actually gets called away for a traffic accident that has like possible fatalities. Mm -hmm. So Steve has to get out of the car and be dropped off before he actually arrives to the camp. Mm -hmm. So Steve starts running in the dark. I actually don't like that scene. (laughs) It was unsettling for me for whatever reason. Because he's wearing this bright yellow coat yeah. and literally coming out of the darkness yeah. and running yeah. towards the screen. I didn't like that. I didn't care. That was that. a vivid memory for me from back. I remember it, and Annie does it later. Which she's got like a white shirt on and I believe it happens to her too. And I, I kind of like it. It, it creeps me enough to <laughs> gets me. I don't know what it does. It maybe just brings the memory back. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I found it to be unsettling. I was like, I don't like this. But he's near the Camp Crystal Lake sign and a figure shines a bright light in his face. Steve recognizes this person, which is really interesting Mm -hmm. to me because the the two teens at the beginning of the movie also recognized her. So (laughs) when he recognizes the person, he makes this weird face when he's presumably stabbed. Mm -hmm. And that is just so funny. Just the level of acting they had to do to show that they had been harmed in some way without actually showing the actual harm is really funny. I feel like Steve died in the the stupidest way. Yeah, it was a little. Like, (laughs) yeah, his acting at least. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess Steve was asking for it. I don't know. He knew the history of the camp, poured a lot of money into trying to get it back. Yeah, Steve was going to die. And maybe he realized right as he died, oh, I'm not going to give it away, but yeah, they're Maybe, oh, yeah. Yeah, they might not be happy about this. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But go ahead. But 
Yes, the killer goes to the generator and turns off the power. Mm-hmm. By this time, the rain has actually stopped, mm-hmm. which is good. And Bill sets up some lanterns. They spent a lot of time showing him turn on these lanterns. I don't know. Yeah, that was a little. Uh, yeah, it's maybe to build time pillar. I don't know. Maybe in it wasn't like he did anything miraculous. He just maybe it was just to build time. I don't know. Yeah. But Bill gets the lanterns ready because he needs to go check on the generator. Alice, he's like, hey, you should try to get some sleep. And I was like, girl, y'all found a bloody axe. You can't call anyone. You ain't seen nobody else in hours. How can you rest? No. That's what Erica said. <laughs> Who's going to sleep? What are you talking about? Yes. <laughs> I don't understand how she's able to sleep yet either. But I thought that was actually kind of funny. But Bill goes to the cabin with the generator in it. It doesn't look like the generator is working. He's checking it out. The gas level's good. He's looking around to see like, why is the generator not working? Again, Bill comes across as like really reasonable mm. and calm to me. But suddenly this scared me. Alice wakes up out of nowhere calling Bill's name. And so she goes, this next scene I felt was actually really masterful. It's a little bit crazy. Mm to me how this scene that was so simple actually added to the suspense for me but alice gets up when she wakes up from the dream and she goes into the kitchen to put on a kettle of water for like some instant coffee for her and bill Mm. she goes into the pantry for sugar i'm like who's in the pantry (laughs) now like who's hiding in the pantry now it ends up being nobody (laughs) so there's like a lot of tension building up in this scene with the music Mm. and i'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop like where is the killer like what's going to happen but nothing ever does. And I was like, this scene is like really making me anxious. Mm. And even though nothing happens, I was like, this is like a really suspenseful part. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a good scene. They did a good job. Yeah. Well, Alice decides to go out to find Bill because he's not back. She goes to the little cabin that has a generator in it and she finds his raincoat, but not him. She's alone, of course. And she closes the door to the cabin to find Bill pinned to the outside of the door with like three or four arrows in him and a slit throat. Uh, This movie makeup is only okay, but it was freaky. I wasn't expecting it. I knew he would be dead, but I wasn't expecting him to be right there behind the door. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like his death comes across as more horrific as some of the other people. Like, to literally be pinned to the door, to have a slit throat and arrows, feels like a lot. Yeah. Just put him on display. I'll give you that much. Yeah, they put him on display. Yeah. Right? I feel like he didn't deserve that. But <laughs> <laughs> Typically, I feel like a lot of movies reserve the most horrible death for, like, the most immoral mm. or, like, awful character. I feel like they didn't no. go by that in this movie, which is fine. I just wasn't expecting it. But... Yeah, Alice, of course, is freaking Mm -hmm. out. This is the first time that someone actually finds a dead body. And what's funny is that she just finds more of them. (laughs) This is another another, uh, common thing for slasher films. For the heroine, more or less, to find all the dead bodies. That we haven't really, we haven't seen them all yet. Right. Right. Some of them have obviously been moved Mm. because like the girl in the shower had to be moved because multiple people went into the bathroom after and didn't find Mm. her. Right. So, yeah, Alice is freaking out. She runs away. She makes it back to the Comanche cabin and she tries to lock the door. The door naturally doesn't have a lock. So she tries to use a rope to make sure the door can't be opened. And I was like, girl, the killer could already be inside. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) You're just barricading yourself in here with the killer. That's what I thought. But Alice's panic in this situation while she's barricading the door is so good 
Like, I feel like this feels like a realistic depiction of something that I would do or a normal person would do in this situation. Yeah, but it's pretty She's ingenious. Putting with everything the, in front of the door that she can. The yeah, rope. the rope. But I was a little confused about the yeah. barricade. I was like, well, I guess if they get through the, the door, they'll trip over this stuff because the door opened outward. So, yes, that was right. That's so, I, right. That's what the rope was holding around outward, the doorknob. Yeah. So you couldn't open it from the outside. So this, it was a little confusing, but I said, I guess it'll slow them down a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah. And it always bothered me. Nothing had locks. <laughs> you know, none of the uh, exterior yeah. doors to the cabin like- had, had locks. But I guess that's also for safety as far as to come. Right. If there are kids in there, you, you know, kids want to play a joke and lock the door. And I don't right. think our camp doors had locks on them either. Yeah. Or if there's a fire. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people need to be able to get out. So, yeah, she's freaking out. Rightfully so. She's barricading herself inside of this cabin. She doesn't know what's going on. She's looking around for weapons. She ends up finding a mm. bat and she finds this little tiny pitchfork <laughs> in the kitchen. Yeah. It's supposed to be a kitchen utensil, yeah. but it looks like a tiny pitchfork. I thought that was right. funny. But right as she kind of calms down and takes a second to breathe, the weirdest thing <laughs> happens. Somebody throws Brenda's dead body through a window. Brenda is bruised and bloody and she has like a rope yeah. around her. And Alice is freaking yes. out. And I was like, what the heck? Like, we knew Brenda was dead. I don't know if it was necessary to throw her right. dead body through a window. But then again. But it does add right. to yeah, the panic. The right. But then you notice when she lands yeah. on the, when the body falls onto the ground, she moves like a fraction of an inch. And I was like, ah, yes. she moved a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I can see people's eyes moving. I think I saw Bill's mm. eyes moving after he died, and I think I saw Brenda's mm. too. But yeah, pretending to be dead is yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be hard. But Alice does do a good job of yeah. freaking out. She's pretty dead. Yeah. Yes. Right. So Alice is like, I got to get out of here. So she starts moving again. This is like a weird discontinuity or something. I don't know. But she moves the barricaded stuff out of the way. She unties the rope and she exits the cabin. Mm. When a Jeep pulls up, Alice thinks it's Steve. She exits the cabin as the Jeep pulls up. She's like trying to tell Steve all this stuff. And it's actually someone named Mrs. Voorhees, who claims to be a friend of the Christie's who owned the camp. So Mrs. Voorhees is, we know, Jason's mm-hmm. mom, because that's Same his last right. name as right. well. But Alice is happy to see somebody. Right. Okay. Like, and a she working is freaking vehicle. out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Mrs. Voorhees is being a mm. weirdo. She's like, oh, just take me to the dead mm. people. Mm. Or like, oh, you're just upset by the storm. And it's like, oh, that's not how storms <laughs> work. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I used to work for the Christie's. Mm. I'm not afraid of anything. Mm. I'll go see what you're talking mm. about. And I was like, this lady is being mm. weird. Okay. But Mrs. Voorhees enters the main cabin to see dead Brenda, mm. who was just thrown through the window. And Miss Voorhees starts this weird monologue about how, oh, she's so young. Pretty, and, yeah. you know what a waste or whatever Mm -hmm. and there was a young boy who drowned back in 1957 while two camp counselors were making love and (laughs) mrs Voorhees actually was working as a cook at the camp when jason Mm -hmm. drowned i didn't know this detail but miss Voorhees tells alice like that they should go but alice is like uh i think i want to wait for steve Because <laughs> Alice is now freaked out by Mrs. Right. Voorhees. She's being weird. But Mrs. Voorhees is like, mm, that won't be necessary. And then she has this like flashback. We witness her having a flashback of Jason mm. drowning in the lake. And he's literally saying, mommy, help mm. me. And then she does this weird flip where she's like, I am Jason. Mm. Jason was my mm. son and today is his yeah. birthday. Also didn't know that Jason's yep. birthday Friday was 13th. June yep. 13th. 
Yeah. But she's like, I couldn't let Steve open this place again after my only child died. And so she flips and she's like, Alice, you let my son drown. <laughs> yep. Alice probably wasn't even born in 1957, mm. but I feel like this is like a weird and inaccurate depiction of someone experiencing a mental, breakdown. Uh, yeah. mental health yeah. issues. Yes. After their son died in a tragic way. But to abbreviate, I'm going to call her Mrs. Mm. V. Mrs. V pulls out a knife. And in this really clumsy fight scene, these scenes that are coming up where they're fighting each other are so yeah, funny they're a little, yeah, to me. They're a little, little clunky, yes. a little... Yes, it's hilarious, but but I want to go, let me go back a minute. Go ahead. I didn't realize yeah. this when I first saw it, but I didn't when I rewatched it. The jeep pulls up. We know that's the killer's jeep, but I really didn't. I remember it not being. I wasn't sure she was the killer when she started getting weird. I started getting a sense, but the jeep should be our first indicator. Oh, this is the killer because this is the jeep. And then we also have the jeep that Annie got right. Into. But then it gets a little even a little weirder that Alice thought it was Steve because the jeep is alike. Right. So that throws it all a little, a little, little mishmash. I'm like, mm. but I didn't really, we should have realized it was a killer immediately when the Jeep pulled up because we know Steve is dead. Right. But for some reason, I still was, I remember being blown away that the killer was a woman and that it mm-hmm. was Jason's mom. I'm like, wow, you know, and this yeah. is relatively new. I don't want to say concept, but it happened being actually a, a mystery. It wasn't just a monster mm-hmm. trying to kill somebody. But right. it was a good twist. I remember the twist being exciting for me and being blown away by it. Yeah, I do think it is a decent twist. Until I actually saw Mrs. Voorhees pull up, I forgot that I when people would talk about these movies that they always say that the first killer in Friday the 13th was Jason's mom. Mm-hmm. I had heard people talk about oh. that before mm-hmm. and just didn't remember it. So I was like, oh, snap, that's right. That's what's kind of my reaction. But when Mrs. V pulls out a knife to come after Alice, Alice uses a fire poker that's nearby to knock Mrs. V down. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny. But Alice runs and she tries to hop into the Jeep where she finds a dead Annie, who was the girl who died be, first. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so she's like, uh, I'm not driving with a dead girl. So she... <laughs> Instead of just taking the truck and right. the dead person in yeah. it, she's like, I need to leave. I don't know what decision I would have made. been rough. <laughs> At that point, I don't know. But as she's running, the body of Steve drops down from the ceiling of a cabin, just kind of randomly. Yeah, that's... Now, this is where I'm going to call BS. <laughs> right, that was bad. But she even in the cabin? I just thought she was outside and it just fell. I don't even know. <laughs> like it was a... like... It came down from, you know how it's like the covered porch area of the cabin. Still okay. outdoors, but right. like yeah. up in maybe the rafters or something. And yeah. it falls, half his body kind of falls down. And I'm like, I have a problem because we just found out that not only is this the killer a woman, she's an older woman. Right. How she's... does she get this grown man up in the rafters? Look, we got to go back to all of this stuff. Throw a full body right. through a window. And through a window, You got to remember yes. that the cabin wasn't on the ground. The cabin was raised up a right. little bit. So she had to throw up in there. I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's where things get unbelievable for me. And it gets worse. But <laughs> <laughs> so Alice is slowly kind of figuring out more and more people are dead. And Alice is running away. We hear Miss V saying, kill her, mommy. Kill her. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy. All right. So it turns out. I forgot all about that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. I remember that. <laughs> she was so yeah, she, she, I wanted to, it. Yeah, I didn't want to laugh, but it, it's, it was kind of funny, but it was it creepy. Is. It did have a creep factor yes. to it, so it and worked. this is why I'm trying to figure out, did she do the voice of the boy? 
that Brenda was following. Yeah, that definitely was her. Yeah. So you thought it was just a ghost, maybe? I thought it might have been a recording. I don't know. No, it was her trying to lure her outside. That's the conclusion I came to. So, yeah. I don't know. The voices didn't sound the same to me, but uh, it sounded like an actual male child Mm. that was trying to lure Brenda out. But that's why I took it. It was very strange. Yeah. Yeah. But Ms. Voorhees actually believes that Jason is inside of her, feeding her homicidal hatred for the camp counselors. (laughs) And so she even answers the voice. Yeah. And I'm like, she has lost it. Okay. But Alice goes to hide in a shed where there are guns and she unfortunately can't find the ammunition. But Mm -hmm. Alice is freaking out. Miss V goes to the generator and turns the lights on and finds Alice immediately. The Voorhees have a penchant for being fast, <laughs> like unexplainably right. And also, fast. remember, Bill couldn't figure out the, he, he was in there for a couple of minutes. He couldn't figure out the, <laughs> the generator for the life of him. And she goes in there and clicks a button and it's good to go. Yeah. Well, she knows the place better than Bill. So, right. and she yeah. was probably the person who messed up the generator so it wouldn't turn on in the first place. Yeah. But, but she does how find it relatively quick. Yes. How does she, she flips on the lights and almost right away finds Alice. Like how far apart are these cabins? It's one of the things and themes in the Jason movies is that he never runs, but he always mm. catches up to the person. Yeah. He does run, but he doesn't run fast. He's got a light jog about him. Michael Myers doesn't run. Okay. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Again, always get them confused. <laughs> but yeah, he always gets the person he's after basically. But then <laughs> when Mrs. V finds her, Alice has the gun in her hand and she throws it at Mrs. V, but there's no ammunition in it. And then she starts throwing a ton of other stuff that's in this shed. But yeah. then Miss V corners Alice and she slaps her a few times. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> it was. I was trying to remember what happens here. She starts slapping. I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> it was funny because it's one of those things where like you'll see an animal play with its food a little bit. Yeah. But in this movie, she doesn't have a history of doing that. She usually catches people by surprise and it's like Mm -hmm. a swift one and done like kill situation. And she knew this was the last one. And I can. Yeah. And I've already got her scared out of her mind so I can toy with her a little bit. Basically. So she slaps her around again. They even do a shot from Alice's point of view while she's getting slapped, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. But she starts throwing Alice all over the shed. And I'm like, why is she so strong? I don't don't know. But Alice picks up a shotgun and she hits Alice in the crotch, which is hilarious. (laughs) That was was funny to me. That was so funny to me. And then she hits her in the face Mm -hmm. with it. And so that buys Alice a little bit of time and she's able to leave. Mm -hmm. Then, oh, wait, when she hits her in the face, Mrs. V falls down in this hilariously dramatic fashion. It's so funny. It's I'm like dying laughing right now as I'm watching the movie. But Alice runs away while Mrs. V tries to gather herself. So Mrs. V is on the prowl looking for Alice. Alice is hiding. We can hear Mrs. V saying stuff like, kill her, mommy, kill her. <laughs> and Alice, for some reason, decides to go back to the Comanche cabin and turns the lights off. She starts freaking herself out, which I feel like is like a clear sign that somebody's in there because like the lights were on and you turn them off. I don't know. <laughs> but she's freaking out. She ends up locking herself inside the pantry. Big mistake. But then she hears someone enter the cabin. That's making a lot of noise. Mm. Again, because Alice does not only knows that like two or three people have died, she actually doesn't know who's in there with her. But of Mm. course, it's Mrs. V flipping stuff around, looking for her. And there's a moment where she feels like, okay, the person is gone. It sounds like they left the cabin and she has a second to breathe. 
But then. <laughs> they did a good job. With <laughs> they did a great job. Yes. The doorknob is moving mm-hmm. while she is not looking at it. And I'm I'm freaking out. <laughs> and someone tries to break into the pantry. Alice, again, being the resourceful person she is, grabs a frying pan from inside the pantry while Mrs. V breaks in with a machete and she does kind of like a here's Johnny situation (laughs) (laughs) sticking her head through like a little slat that she cut in the door and she opens the door and comes in with a machete and Alice hits her with the frying pan and I thought that was funny but (laughs) Alice gets the best of her and Mrs. V is on the ground and she's bleeding from her Mm -hmm. head yeah now personally I would have beat her head to the white meat. Like, <laughs> and if you count, this is the third time she's knocked down the killer. Yes. And left her. Yes. You got it. Yeah. So I'm like, this is the tropes of the slasher movies that, oh, that they make fun of. You never lose sight of the killer. If you get the killer down, you finish them all. Right. So she knocks her. We don't know if she's dead or not at this point right we just know she's bleeding from the head mm-hmm. i don't know why she just didn't keep beating her in the head with the frying pan Star, the machete was there do something the machete was there yeah this is the reason why it's very unbelievable for me that the mom was the killer the whole time because this girl got the best of you three times i understand that there was like an element of surprise right with the rest of the murders yeah right but for this particular thing like this girl got the best of you over and over again there's no way you threw Brenda through the window. It's, like, right. Right. it's not it's not believable to me. But she leaves and for whatever reason goes to the beach. Girl, why are you going by the lake? I don't the, understand. The, the Jeep was still there, right? Yeah, I would have pushed Annie's dead body. <laughs> Maybe out. Yeah, by then your adrenaline would have you could have dealt with it. Right. But she goes to the beachfront at the lake for whatever reason. And yeah, I would have got in the Jeep. I don't know. But when her back is turned, she sees Mrs. V reflection in the water and she yeah. manages to avoid the machete with like a oar from like one of the canoes. Mm. They struggle with each other. This fight scene is a little bit funny to me, but it feels more realistic. Right. Out of all the little skirmishes, this is probably the best one. Yes, the best choreographed like, one. Yeah. Yeah. Mrs. V like bites her. It feels like two women really actually fighting right. in this scene. And Alice is able to kind of get her bearings and picks up the machete. And <laughs> then she cuts Mrs. V's head off. I was not expecting that. Yes. Yep. I remember that would happen. I was like, yeah. And that's how you finish somebody off. <laughs> Basically. Yes. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> That was so funny to me. I wasn't expecting it, so that was nice. The head flies off in this crazy manner. I yeah. <laughs> and the funniest part and the weirdest part to me is her hands. I don't know yes. if you notice. Yeah, yeah okay. When yes. And when they her have head this body. Yeah. Off, we still see the hands, but the hands are dramatic. Like the hands then they clench like, or something. Yes. Yeah. The fists clench and then they fall below the below like the line of sight of the camera in like yeah. this really dramatic fashion. But the hands were masculine. I told you earlier, like when we see yeah. from the killer's point of view, the hands, it looked masculine to me. Maybe they did it on purpose just to throw you off. Yeah. And then the stunt person was a man maybe and they did it. But I didn't right. really remember that hand part when that happens. Wow, I don't really remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is supposed to be a call back to the snake dying. The snake getting his head Oh, ah, okay. okay. Who okay. also died by a machete. So, Yeah. 
Okay. So that was supposed to be some foreshadowing as well. But yeah, Alice, for some strange reason, decides to take a canoe into the water mm-hmm. and hangs out there until she falls asleep yep. in the next morning. Yeah. And Erica it's was weird. like, why are you getting in the canoe? <laughs> <laughs> See, I can't remember where I originally saw this. And I want to say where I was, where I was with, said, why are you getting in the canoe? I don't know if it was a person with me or I was, I don't think I was in the movies, but that's a cinema question for the ages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't understand. But she falls asleep in the canoe and floats out to the middle, basically. Mm-hmm. It's the next day and the cops come and they call to her. We can't hear them call to her. Mm-hmm. But her hand is kind of like sticking in the water mm-hmm. and she is awake and like meaningfully looking into the distance mm-hmm. when like this shocked me. Wasn't expecting it. A creepy child's a decayed child with like seaweed on him like comes out of the water and grabs her from behind and like drags her underneath the water. Yeah. Jump scare for me. But totally freaked out, was not expecting it. But turns out it's a dream. Right. So now let me take you back to that. You can't gloss over that scene. That scene is probably the top three scary scenes of all time in the cinema because nobody was expecting it. It was so scary. They had the little light music. The music made the mood a little light again. Uh-huh. And, like, you know, she survived. It, it's over. There are police there. It's daytime. She survived, right? And it got everybody. And ever since it spoiled everything for everybody, there's been a couple other movies that have done it. You ever seen the original Carrie? Uh, yes. Yeah. You remember the end with the hand? Oh, comes yes. up from a, Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of that. And I think Carrie was first. But this was, yeah, it really got you. Now, something I noticed in, when I watched it, and I never noticed before because I was looking for it. I knew the scene. I knew he comes out of the water. Right there where he comes out, there's a little thing on top of the canoe. Like over the lip of the canoe, you see something moving. And as soon as you see it and it moves, he jumps up. So I don't know if it's oh. part of the prop or whatever they were using. So if you still want to go back and see it. And I noticed it because I was looking. I even rewound it and showed Eric. I said, look, you see that thing? And so as soon as it starts <laughs> moving, he jumps up. And I had never noticed before. It was pretty neat. But yeah, that's very okay. iconic. That's a very iconic scene. I think they spoofed that in like cartoons and a whole bunch of stuff. But uh, that's, that's yeah. probably right. I feel like I have seen something along the lines before yeah. of that, but just the the whole jump scare of it. I don't like being scared, mm-hmm. but there were a number of jump scares, and that was one of the big ones. I was like literally shocked. But come to find out it was a dream of hers. She wakes up from the dream in a hospital where they give her some Valium that's injected into her back mm-hmm. or something. I think it was her butt. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. Yeah, I was like, that was a little, I know they had IVs back then. We weren't in the medieval times. <laughs> yeah. Was, so I was, I was like, like, I thought they would give her pills, but. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was, that was just. Strange. Yeah. It was unnecessary, <laughs> but okay. Yeah. <laughs> So she's laying in the hospital bed and the police officer's like, your parents are coming to get you. Alice finds out that everyone at the camp died, which if you include Mrs. Voorhees, I believe it's 10 people who died. And the only one she didn't see, Jack and Marcy, did she? She didn't see Jack, Marcy or Ned. That's right. Ned. That's right. Ned. She didn't see Ned. But yeah, I think she saw everybody else. Yeah. So yeah, Alice kind of believes that that dream she had was real. And she was asking, is Jason dead too? Like the little boy from the Mm -hmm. lake. And a little bit have a problem with that because she was attacked from behind and she wouldn't have been able to tell what type of person dragged her under the water. (laughs) Like, (laughs) But 
they're like, oh, there's no little boy. Like, we didn't find any little yeah. boy. It was just y'all there. And she's like, well, then he's still there. <laughs> and <laughs> we flash to the lake where we see like a few little ripples here and there. And we presume that Jason is still mm-hmm. dead and kicking underneath <laughs> the crystal lake yeah and i wonder the producers were like we're gonna make a sequel and i wonder at what point they were like let's go with it you know i wonder you know, yeah I would it had see to that. be soon because it came out the next year 81 did it okay i didn't look okay yeah it had to be almost right away i guess like when it made so much money i think that the budget was like half a million ish and mm-hmm. it made like 50 million maybe something like that yeah it did great i remember everybody was talking about it and i was just too young to go like i said i don't think i saw the movies and it yeah so it would be cool i mean you would have to to do that foreshadowing where you just going into Mm it we're going to make another one yeah but now you know i wonder how you still got to get the studio on board you got to get budget on board you got to get actors you got to have another story Mm -hmm. ready right you've got a premise there with jason but you've got a lot to flesh out and i suggest yeah watch two and three they're worth after you see the first one two and three are worth watching okay and especially with them coming out, they, I think they might have came out, like you said, 81, maybe 82, the next one, part three. So Right. All right. I'll have to check them out. Well, the movie ends where we do like a little flashback to the lake. We see a few little ripples. We assume Jason is still there. And the movie ends with some sad music that kind of suggests that like this story is not over. Mm-hmm. So I think they did a good job of kind of indicating that like, well, there's more to this story. Yeah. And there is more, like mm-hmm. 11 movies more. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's the end of the film. And at the end of every episode, we ask two questions. Is the movie worth a rewatch? And does it hold up today? Dad, what do you think? I think it, especially with you, since you had never seen it, it's worth a rewatch to see the stuff you might have missed, the little the foreshadowing and the mm-hmm. hints of who. And I might even mean when you said the thing about the hands in the ring, I didn't notice. So I think it's worth a rewatch. And it excellent, like, scary movie nights. The music really helps it. You can, mm-hmm. it's definitely worth a rewatch, you know, not immediately, but you know, you want to, especially, yeah. and if you don't have somebody else with you that had never seen it, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, what about it holding up? Do you think it holds up? In my eyes, yes, because I'm from the era and I know what the limitations they had and what was mm-hmm. in the zeitgeist or the pop culture at the time that was acceptable to like the appropriation and the slight yeah. creepiness of the truck driver and the, yeah. yeah. And Steve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Steve. Yeah. See, Steve was, well, like, he was older. So I'm, I would say he might have been 30 something mm-hmm. and Annie might have been 22 max. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But I think it holds up for film value. Definitely. Definitely. But yeah, I think it holds up. What do you think? Yeah. For me, I think the movie is definitely worth a rewatch. Mm-hmm. For me, I low key felt like real suspense and surprise and like there were a number of jump scares that like legitimately startled me there were a few twists and things that happened where the genre of horror has changed so much that going back to watching something that was made in 1980 low-key feels fresh like refreshing right so the idea that people get killed in a sequence without other characters knowing what's going on in the background and you know we don't experience that panic until the very end where the plot of like what's been happening has unfolded that felt really fresh to me even though this movie is old so (laughs) i really enjoyed that piece of it some of the murders were really interesting and inventive 
even if they were poorly acted. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I can totally understand why people really enjoyed this movie so much. Yeah, and I like that they kept the suspense going throughout the whole film. And once people started getting killed, it was like, let's keep it rolling. Right. Like they were dropping like flies, basically. I felt like Alice did a really good job of like displaying yeah, panic. Yeah. And it felt her acting uh, natural. was decent. Her acting was pretty good. Yeah. I felt like this is legitimately how I might be mm-hmm. if I found myself in a situation like this. And the twist at the end was really good, yeah. even though I kind of in my mind knew that the first movie was about Jason's mother. Mm-hmm. I didn't really remember it. So it being a woman at the end, it being Jason's mother, her mm-hmm. dealing with some mental health issues at the time, it felt like a really interesting twist. Yeah. Definitely holds up. I can understand why this is like an iconic start to the franchise. But as far as it holding up, I'm going to say kind of like half no and half yes. Okay. Only partially. There's a few things in this movie that are problematic and are not okay today. They killed an animal in the movie. (laughs) They killed a live animal and they didn't tell the handler that the animal was going to die. That's awful. That's awful. That's bad. Yeah, that's really bad. It surprised me. I I don't remember being one way or the other about it when I saw it, but now that I saw it, that, that was a real, personally, it was a real animal shocked me. I saw they're using a real animal. And then they mm-hmm. killed us. Well, they really killed that snake. Yeah. I don't know why I was so impacted by that. I'm not a fan of snakes, but I was like, I cannot believe they killed a real animal on screen. That's crazy. There are kind of stereotypical depictions of Native Americans and the appropriation of the culture for like the camp theme. Yeah. There is like a silly depiction of mental illness in Mrs. Voorhees. It comes across as like, this is not really like an accurate or thoughtful way of depicting that she's having a hard time with the death of her son. A number of the men come off as creepy. Uh, So those things are problematic and don't hold up for me. One of my bigger problems with the film that is like a, a discontinuity is how Easily, Alice was able to kind of best Mrs. Voorhees, but was able to kill like 10 people, like (laughs) nine people (laughs) in this movie. Like that doesn't track for me. She was able to just up all her energy, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I guess like if she really is Jason, now she has her own strength plus the strength of like a 12 year old boy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what was going on. Also, I feel like they literally showed a man's hands when they were skulking. And I was like, that's not fair. Y'all aren't playing fair. Right. Throwing us off on purpose. Right. Right. But I feel like the movie makeup is kind of hit or miss. But for the 1980s, it was probably amazing. The decapitation scene was awful. But overall, I felt like really entertained by this movie. There were moments where I was actually like in suspense and anxious and scared. The music was really great. And there were moments where I found it to be like really thrilling and also ridiculous. So it's like whether you're watching it to kind of make fun of like, oh, this 40 plus year old movie, Mm -hmm. or if you're watching it because like you're into the horror aspect. You can get both. Yeah. So I really liked it, even though there was some problematic things. And I understand the hype behind it. So I feel like it was good to watch this with fresh eyes. Yeah, definitely a classic. Yes. Great Halloween night movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So now it's time for us to talk about the ratings. Dad, do you know or can you guess what the critics and audience rated Friday the 13th on Rotten Tomatoes? Rotten Tomatoes. The original ratings weren't good. I remember that. I remember hearing that way back in the day. Rotten Tomatoes, they've skewed their thing late these last few years, so they're really unreliable to me. But mm-hmm. I would say they would do like a, a 65. That's my guess. You're pretty much on target. The critics gave it a 63, mm-hmm. and the audience gave it 60%. Wow, I feel like that's like kind it. of low. Yeah, I thought the audience would like it more than that. 
Yeah. But, what would you rate it? What is it? Oh, it's for way you? up there. But see, I've got so much history, nostalgia, and the freshness right. of it. It'd be ninety-five or more. Just oh, just dang. alone. It just, I'm going from everything. The influence, mm-hmm. the originalness of the camp, the camp right. sleepaway camp thing. But I've got way too much invested. I tell you, I went to see a sleepaway <laughs> camp. There was a Camp Crystal Lake or Crystal Lake near there. That I've got way too much. It'd be a ninety-five. And at some point, you've got to set the tone. If you're watching it at home, you can't be on your phone. You can't have all the lights on. You got to turn the lights out. And you got a sound system, especially for this. I didn't have mine on. I should have, but it was really late. If you've got a surround sound, put it on. Immerse yourself in it because they're trying to draw you in like that. Okay, you're watching this, and we got you're going to feel isolated too. So Mm -hmm. give yourself all that that you can give. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I rated real high. Even without like the historical context or like being there, I would give it at least like a 70, 72. Mm-hmm. I, again, it's one of those things where 40 plus years later, going back and watching it is low key refreshing because you get to see like some of the origins of right. like where a lot of the tropes and stuff come from, yeah. as well as seeing like a different perspective. So as crazy as it sounds, there were a number of things where I was like, oh, that's refreshing. Or, oh, this is like a creative kill scene or, right. you know, those types of things. So I would at least give it like a 70 or 72. So yeah, Rotten Tomatoes, as usual, is tripping. So <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, they used to be in the 2000s. They were pretty good. But mm-hmm. after like 2010, I'm like. They were on some other scale. I, I can't put my finger on it. So yeah. IMDb has good ratings. I like their ratings. I, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I don't know what they p- put it on this one. but Let's see. I think I actually might have it up. IMDb rates this movie as a 6.4. Which is... About the same. Yeah. yeah but their 6.4 is... If you pull up, they're harsh. They don't play. It's serious. And it, it's. I don't feel it's on what's popular and what's in the zeitgeist. It's more mm-hmm. what it's worth. So 6 is not that bad. If you get over seven for IMDb, it's really good for some, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, very yeah. enjoyable. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's it, y'all. That's all, Home Slices. Thanks so much for listening to the bonus review of Friday the 13th featuring my dad. Share your thoughts with us on social media, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. If you rewatched the movie recently... Or if you think it still holds up, we want to hear from you. Let us know in the comments. I want to say a super special thanks to my dad for being here today. He's a big part of the reason why I love movies so much. So it's an honor to have him here as a guest. Say bye, dad. Bye, everyone. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the movie. Of course. Well, listeners, join us next week for our regularly scheduled programming where I will review the 1993 smash Halloween hit Hocus Pocus. You don't want to miss it. Peace out. Peace. Thanks for listening to Sub Media Reviews. I hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane just as much as I did. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like me to review next, or if you just want to share your thoughts on today's episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest at Sub Media Reviews and on SubMediaReviews.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps me improve the show and spread the word to new listeners. So until next time, peace out, Home Slices. Home Slices.